to Ignite the Podcast. You know, now we're mobile with it, so we're back here in my friend's backyard. Uh, this is Mr. Theo Brown. Right now, I'm going to be doing a series, I'm starting a series on uh, prison, what it's like to be in prison, uh, you know, what what happens when you're in there, what happens when you come out of there, uh, and all of that. And if you don't know, the, this podcast is about uh, making my, me and my listeners less ignorant to uh, who they are, what they do, what it takes to do it, why they do it, what happened to them, you know, all those different things. So with that being said, Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm all right. All right, all right. So, like I said, we're talking talking prison today. You know, I know you I know you a lot of things, but, you know, like a lot of people don't know that you were in prison. So. Yes. Uh, well, as a youngster, you know, Growing up in the neighborhoods, west side of Detroit, yeah. uh, Zone 8, they used oh. to call my area, man, because uh, 48208 was my area code. Yeah. That's kind of the zone we from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was from a street, man, called uh, Vinewood. And um, I think we should start there because um, that's where all my troubles started. Yeah, we should start with, I guess, uh, what got you into prison. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, you can start with your mission. You want to pull the mic a little closer to you? Uh, yeah. How about that? How that sounds? Yeah, it's, yeah, it still sounds good. That cool. top shelf roadcaster but, right uh, there. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, like uh, as an adolescent, being hard-headed, not listening to my parents, man, you know, and uh, running with my friends. And, uh, yeah, got me in a lot of trouble growing up. And um, So what were you doing? Uh, you, uh, what what got you like that? Drugs. Drugs? Drugs, yeah, drugs, man. Selling it? Selling drugs. Yeah. Yep, yep. and, uh... You're like, you are allowed to talk about all this, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, like, I don't want to, like, put you back yeah, in yeah, prison. No, not at all. But, Everything's clean today, okay, man. Okay, good, good. And, um, again, all the guys, older guys from the neighborhood, you know, back in, uh, early 90s, you know, that's what was going on. I came from a good family. Ain't none of my peer, my none of my siblings was into anything I was yeah. into, man. You know, I was the only one out of eight. Oh shit! So, uh, yeah, and it was just being curious. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, started selling drugs. Uh, got the liking, got the liking the things that it bought me. Yeah. You know, I never been a robber, thief. Yeah. I never been none of those things. You know, I never stole cars. Were you banging? Um. Somewhat, man. You know, yeah. banging in our area wasn't really a big thing. Yeah. You know, we was just guys from the block, you know? Yeah, yeah. When they asked <coughs> us where we, who we was, we Vinewood boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, I mean, if you look back on it, they'll call it banging, depending on where you're from. You yeah. know, West Coast, if they looked at me, they'll say, yeah, you was a banger. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, we just uh, ran and sold drugs, man, and I did it for a long time. Before I got caught, man, you know, it went on for, I think I started selling drugs, 14. 14 years old? 14 years old. Dang. Yep, yep, 14 years old, man. And, um. What are we talking about? Cocaine, heroin? Uh. Crack? It started off as heroin, actually. Mm. Yep, heroin was the thing back then. Man. Yeah. And, um, yep, and, uh, you know, the older guys, you know, <coughs> Front, they little things, all they nice cars and toys, yeah. and you know. And uh, one day, man, one of the fellas asked me and my homeboy, you know, um, like, man, what y'all think about staying out of school today, make a couple dollars? 
Chill. Yeah, we thought it was quiet for a minute. Man, that don't sound like a bad idea. Right. But uh, we did it. And, uh, man, I think like that first day, man, skipped school and made like three, four hundred bucks. Damn. You know, I think <clears> that evening we was at the mall. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Having a good time, man. Yeah. And, again, those that, that kind of behavior went on from uh, 14, man, to I think I caught my first gun case and went to the county, man. I was 18. Mm. 18, because... Uh, you know, you carry a pistol to protect your drugs, protect yeah, yeah. your neighborhood. You know, again, and um, I got caught with my pistol. They gave me probation, uh, two years probation. Um, I think I violated, man. Violated, end up doing county time. Mm. And that was the first time I was locked up over, you know, 30 days. Oh, God. I think I was in there for like nine months, uh. you know. Clinked up the probation. Yeah. Got out clean. I think a uh, new year had passed. I turned 19, man. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, when I got out the county that year is when I met my wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, I met my wife, and uh, that was uh, yep, at 19. But you got out, and it was back to selling dope? Um, well, actually, I went to work for Burger King for a while. Okay. Yep, I think I worked for Burger King for like, Six years, man. Now that was the power washing side of things, or well, no. Also? At that time, I was working flipping whoppers, man. Oh, okay. Yep, I was flipping whoppers, man. Me and my homeboy, me and my neighbor, yep, flipping whoppers, and um, we did that for a couple months, few months before we got bored with it, you know. Yeah. And um, I started back hustling, but I still kept the job. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Excuse me. Yeah, don't quit your yep. day job. No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> don't quit your day job. So uh, we was working nights, you know what I'm saying? So me and my homeboy would work nights, uh, get off work, mm-hmm. open up the crack house in the morning. Damn. You know what I mean? So it was from Burger King to the crack house, from the crack house to Burger King. What years is this? Uh, like, even, like from even when you were 14? Like oh, your whole dope 14, man, that was... Uh, is this part of the crack epidemic? I got to say, that was, no, no. Well, no, this was 90, early 90s. Okay. So this had to be like 92. Okay. I want to say somewhere around there. When crack hit the streets, like yep, 80s? Yeah, that was like 92. Crack, yeah. yeah. That was uh, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, but that was uh, 92. 92. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere around there, man. And um, again, we was working nights. Opening up the crack house in the morning, that went on for a while. And um, I think I got caught with another gun. Damn. Yep, I got caught with another gun. And this is fast forward uh, <coughs> man, just a couple years. A couple years. That had to be, jeez, I can't what year was that? Early 2000s, I want to say, like 2002. Yeah. Yep, 2002. I caught with another gun, man, and they gave me probation again. So now, you know. So not even time right away? No, not time. You know, back then, guns, probation. You know, I don't even think mandatory 24 months was out back then when I was catching these pistol cases. But anyway, fast forward things, man, I end up having like four pistol cases before I even got caught up with any drugs. Mm -hmm. So uh, so when they caught you with the gun, they didn't. 
There was no drugs around? No drugs. It was never drugs, man, because I always was driving around, no license. But uh, I kept my pistol, but I just didn't you know, ride around with drugs. So every time I did get caught with a pistol, it was due to driving violations with no license, you know, yeah. being a knucklehead, but wanting to drive and be cool, yeah. you know, and um, that's how you used to always get caught up, man, not having license. And uh, again, to fast forward a little bit, I end up having four pistol cases, and the fourth one is what sent me to the penitentiary for my first time, and um, that was 2007. Mm. How long did you go to that? 2008, and that was for two years. At that point, uh, the system had changed the gun law. The laws had changed. To a minimum of two years? A mandatory minimum. Wow. A felon get caught in the possession of a firearm, yeah. which was my scenario. So you were a felon already? I was a felon already now because, uh, remind you, I got caught with pistols two previous times. Okay. So those felonies went on my record, but I didn't do time. I was just on probation. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, uh, man, believe it or not, I was on probation, I think, when I got caught again with a pistol. And that time it sent me to prison. For two years? Two years. And that was from 08 to 2010. 2010. Then I did six months halfway. Was that private prison? At that time, that was state. <clears throat> yep, that was state time here in Michigan. Yep. Um, so how was that? Um, at the, I was still young, man. I think I was, yeah, I was young, man. Um, shit, I think like 26. Yeah. You know, still naive, man. I went and did the time. And um, bef previous, before me uh, getting caught up, you know, things was good with the drug game for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, money saved? Did you have money saved? Oh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I had money saved, you know. So when I got, when they sent me to prison, you know, I was kind of naive. You know what I mean? Having money, you know, at that time I had met yeah, my girl. Yeah, had two, had three kids at the, no, I, <laughs> I think I had all, oh, I had all my kids at that time, man. Even little thing? Yeah, because, uh, uh, did I? Oh, yeah, yeah. if he's already 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. 2022. Yep, 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 I had little thing too, man. So I waited till I got older before I went to prison. But again, I had went all that time without being caught up or nothing, man, and being, getting, skating with probation, yeah. you know. Feeling like untouchable, you know what I mean, man? You know how you get the feeling. Yeah. And um, that ended up costing me that two years I went and did that time. And it was, it was at first, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of hard at first. What's it like when you first go in, when you first get locked up? That was your first time in, in prison, right? Not just county? Yeah, that was my first time in prison, man. <coughs> but I think, see, to me, just being locked up, it already prepped. You know, you was pre-prepped without even knowing it. You know what yeah. I mean? Because, you know, thinking back on it, man, when I first went to prison, you know how some people say it was scary and all that, man? Mm -hmm. You know, no, it wasn't It wasn't scary. It wasn't a scared place. It was a dark place because you without none of your loved ones, I say. You, like, mentally in a dark place. You know, but as far as, like, being scared and... Yeah, it wasn't um, as bad as it was, you yeah. know, because I was kind of, 
you know, I was a popular man on the street. I figured. So you knew a lot of people when you were You feel me? So when I went to prison, guess what? Yeah, you already had homies. <laughs> I'm a popular man in prison. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was an easy two years, man. And um, and you had money And I had books. money on the books, man. Working out, all your homies. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like a cakewalk. You know what I mean, <laughs> It's like man? a camp for you. Man, it, and actually, it was, man, because they had me in a camp. Yeah. You know, uh, being a low, low-grade felon. You know what I mean? I never did violent. Like I say, I never been robber. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never got in trouble as a juvenile. You know what I mean? Like I said, <coughs> I was 18, 19 when I first started even. Got yeah, a yeah. criminal record. And um, so, you know, that gives you low points as far as in the state system. Yeah. So, man, I did the two years in camp, man. And it was, yeah, it was camp, man. Sitting yeah. there growing flowers. I think that's when the time I realized the joy I had in growing flowers, man. You were growing flowers in prison? Yep. I used to work in the outhouse, man. Yeah. You know, and um, that was a way to get out. You know what I mean? Have peace, man. Yeah, for sure. Because that's what I found more in prison than anything, man. Peace. Peace with yourself or with life or with everything? Yeah. Well, you know, peace with yourself. Give you peace with, (coughs) you know, everything else, man. So I was finding peace. Uh, peace you in know, a not so peaceful place. <laughs> in a not so peaceful place, man. It's kind of you know. Is prison as violent as they make it seem? Uh, not anymore, man. It's not because the people change. Yeah. You know, the people change. The thugs change. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, it's not as violent. It's violent. It could be violent. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't surround myself with violence. Yeah. I'm not a violent person, so I don't deal with violent people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I need to hire him for a job or something. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. And um, but I found peace, man. You know, got into God while I was there. Yeah. You know. So my, you weren't religious when you went in? No, man. That was another thing I didn't grow up as. You know. Your parents you know, weren't religious my, like that. No. So you know, it wasn't pushed upon me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took for me. It took for me to find that. Yeah, yeah. And um, and you chose Muslim route, you said. Yeah, I chose Islam. Islam. And I chose Islam, man, that's because during that county time I did at 18, you know, I found the Quran that was in the county. And then right at that same time, like I told you before, that's when I met my wife, Diane. And um, Diane grew up Muslim. You know, she was... uh, into Islam, and when she mentioned it to me, and I was in that situation, I had time to read, and, you know, I planted a couple seeds while I was there. I ain't really embrace <coughs> it, embrace it, yeah. you know, but uh, a couple seeds was planted, but then, yeah, and um, when I went to prison, I did a little more researching, you know, I had time to read other Muslims, you know, had time to conversate. Had time to read, you know, all type of spiritual, you know, all type of Judaism, yeah. Christianity. I didn't read it all. And um, it was just something about Islam, man. You know, I don't know if it was because the lady, you know, that I had met, yeah. I had a thing for or what. But uh, I don't know. I took that route and used that as my guidance. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Help make me a better man, man. That's what I use, yeah. you know, when I'm in um, feeling empty. Yeah. I'm looking to reach into something that's greater than myself. 
and I found that to be uh, real peaceful. And um, after that, man, I sat there that 24 months, got out 2010, 2011. Yep, and when I came home in 2011, man, all those friends that I was selling drugs with, yeah. you know, and again, I didn't go to prison for drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I came home, you know, things was a little different. You know, a few different things happened while I was gone, yeah. you know. Um, for whatever reason, man, it seems, well, it almost like you are. It's almost like you are dead to the outside when you get locked up inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? So friends change, relationships change. A lot of things change, change man. Right? Absolutely. And see, I think that's when, that's, you know, that's kind of the line, man, that the blurry line, man. See, because when a person go to prison, it's just like his life just paused. You know, and everybody on the outside, guess what? Keeps going. They life keep going. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. coming home, you know, pressing pause and play again. You playing from 2008, yeah. and these people living in 2011. Yeah, 2011 <laughs> technology, everything. Man, you know, so relationships and things change, man, and um, my money situation changed, you know. <clears throat> While I was gone them two years, still trying to live the life, you know, take care of family and friends from the inside, you know, so I spent a lot of money and things like that. And when I came home thinking those friends was going to be there for me, yeah. and uh, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Bring the mic a little closer to you? Uh, yeah, that wasn't the case, man. My bad. Yeah, that wasn't the case. And um, out of desperate, desperate, out of being desperate, yeah. you know, and trying to catch back up and seeing your homeboys two years ahead of you and nice cars and all this, man. I found myself Back doing up. what I knew how to do. Yeah. You know, I don't even think I tried to go to work. <laughs> I don't even think I looked for a job at that time, man. Yeah. You know, and um, I got right back out, man. Got right back in it. And um, I was going to be smooth. Thinking I was going to be smooth. This time, I'm going to be a badass, and I'm going to take my sack across state lines. Looking back on it, man, I got to laugh because, man, we swear we smart. You yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I say, bet. since I got caught in Michigan, right, I'm going to sell dope in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, man, that's hilarious. But uh, I end up taking my sack yeah. across state lines, man. Cause so I you're, had, de you're delivering it from here or you're picking it up from somewhere? Or both? Uh, I was picking it up from here. And then delivering it to Ohio? Ohio. Yeah. What part? It's like uh, um, multiple cities? Uh, like Cleveland, man. Yeah. Cleveland, big city, Cleveland, man. Yeah. Cleveland, I had a buddy, one of my friends, my, uh, yeah, one of my childhood <coughs> friends, man, had went to Ohio around the time, you know, back in 08. Anyway, he was living down there. And when I came home, man, he was just telling me how good the money was, you know? And I ended up going to find out for myself, man. And, um... That didn't last that long at all. Uh, you know, because you got caught up? Or man, listen. Yeah, got caught up. Got caught up, man. Yeah, the universe had a different um, plan for me. 
You got know? caught up with dope this time. Got caught up with dope this time. Uh, this time, yep, they raided raided the house I was in because of the guys that I was giving the drugs to. Uh, phone was tapped because they was in trouble. Mm. You know, so I kind of entered something that the guys I was dealing with already had going on. You know, yeah, and it costed me. That costed me a lot of time and money. Yeah. Yeah, because Ohio State played a game a little different than Detroit. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, police raided my house due to a conversation that the guys had I was dealing with. Yeah. And... um, so when you go to court and shit, that you can hear the conversation they play it in court and all that shit, or what? Yes, actually, you could hear the, you could hear the tape in the. It's called a discovery packet. Yeah. You know, once you get caught up and get into <clears throat> your case and go to uh, your court hearings, it's a discovery packet that your lawyer could request, and it has all the evidence. Damn. That's against you. And uh, video and audio was part of the evidence that they had. Yeah. And um yeah, they yeah, they had a recording of the guys that I was selling drugs to. Yeah. Um talking on the phone about when his package was showing up. Yeah. Now, I wasn't even on this call. You know, it's just that the guy who was on the conversation saying when he going to get his drugs and they knew I was the third party that was bringing the drugs. They already knew or they, he was saying the name? And, no, uh, no. It was just due to them watching yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. You know, and I was a new face yeah. around the scene. So, you know, police kind of just put things together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, in a conversation that the guy was having with one of his customers, mm-hmm. he's telling them, yeah, man, you know, my packet going to be in in the morning. You know, my man's from the D. You know, people just be so excited to have a plug. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So this guy on the phone, you know. Detroit. If, you, oh, if you're not from Detroit and you're picking up from Detroit, oh, that's, man. That's, a, that's, a, that's a big move. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, so they so excited to say, you know, my man's from the D. You know, my plug, he'll be here in the morning, this, yeah. that, and other, right? So fast forward a little bit, the conversation police got. So that morning, you know, because we being watched. So that morning, when um, I came in, well, actually, I came in that night. You know, but I just never come straight to the house when I came in. Yeah, yeah. That we, so I came in that night. But anyway, that morning, man, like 6 in the morning. Yeah. Soon as kids leave out to school, you know, in the neighborhood or whatever. Because this is how the morning went. As soon as the kids left out to school, 10 minutes later, just like. They was just waiting. Like, wait till the kids get out of there just waiting. in case. Oh, man, they was waiting. Yeah. And then they raided, and um, they found, uh, kicked the door in. Actually, they threw a flash grenade, man. Listen, Damn. this shit was so fucking crazy, like, because. I done been and raised in Detroit, man. Yeah. And they know that you usually got guns. Listen. Four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
These people kicked in the door, man, threw a flash grenade in the fucking house, bro. But the shit had me so stunned, right? Yeah. But when I came to, man, it's 20 cops in the house, laser beams, fucking semi-automatic rifles. It was crazy. That's crazy. It was crazy, man. I never been in a situation like that. I was more scared for my life than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just please don't shoot. Whatever you yeah, do. Yeah, take it off. <laughs> don't shoot me in my life. Take it off. And, um, yeah, they, that was December 8th, man. And see now, damn. Once I, got, once I got to this point, I remember all the dates, man. Yeah. Like, it, this was December 8th, 2011, bro. Now, remind you, you I just told you, I just got out. That's crazy. I just got out, man. It was probably less than a fucking year. Yeah. What they find when they came in? Um, 14 grams of heroin. Okay. Actually, it was six. No. Oh, that <laughs> doesn't is, sound like a lot. Listen, man, it was six grams of heroin, right? Okay. <clears throat> and these folks, it's some... Um, I don't know if you might know or not, but when you sell heroin, you might cut it, stretch it, they call it. You know what I'm saying? You might put some type of substance on it and stretch yeah. it out, right? So when they raid it, right, the heroin, which was six grams, yeah. and then the substance that you cut it with was in the same location. What was it, fentanyl or something? No, uh Man, I don't even, th- uh, no, it wasn't fentanyl, but it was uh, like, uh, it was a fiber, like a laxative or some shit, uh, man. right? And um, the damn cops, bro, took another seven, eight grams or whatever of the cut and mixed it with the heroin to make it over a bulk amount, what? which will put me under the statue to do mandatory time so they mixed it so they mixed it that's crazy before they turned it in that's crazy yes there's no way to prove that no way to prove that yeah no way to prove it so uh fast forward through the court process um they end up having me hearing my voice Going through the discovery packet, I end up seeing them taking pictures of me going in to and fro the house that the assailant was at that they had voice record of. And um, when we went through the discovery packet, I hear me in the background. Now, they don't got me on the phone. Yeah, They just got my voice in the background of a phone conversation he was having yeah. with the CI that was setting him up. Oh, so it was a, so like a now, or whatever? Yeah. So it? now it's a CI, yeah, secret yeah. informant. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. A confidential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confidential, yeah, yeah. not secret, confidential informant. Uh, confidential, like, yeah. So he was like the, uh, but basically oh, no, he, got, he had got, got caught it. up. He he one was, was hot snitching up. Yeah, he no no his buddy that he was serving got caught up. Yeah, you feel me? And that brought me into the situation because the CI was trying to catch the guy that I was serving. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? 
So when the police started seeing all this, they like, oh, not only are we going to get this moron, we're going to get the real plug. We going to get the real plug. This must yeah. be the guy from the D. Right. So is the FBI that raided you? Or D- DPD? or uh, It's real crazy. DEA? Oh, man. Who raided you? It's crazy you asked that question, right? Everything, buddy. Everything? DPDA, TF, FBI. If you could fuck Hey, listen. Just a bunch of motherfuckers with, with windbreaker jackets Man, on. Listen, I never saw a raid so well organized. Yeah. And I was only in town for three months. Did you you got raided in Ohio? Yeah. Oh, so that house. You got raided in that yeah. house out there. Yeah, in Ohio, man. I never seen a plan orchestrated in such little time by yeah. the law enforcement. Everything was at the house. Yeah. DEA, FBI, but it's all because of the guy I was serving. Yeah. You know, I kind of uh, jumped in their video, they would call it. You know, I yeah. jumped in his movie, and it costed me five and a half years of my fucking life. That's how much time? They gave me for 14 grams of heroin. Actually, six grams of heroin. And about eight, nine grams of cut that they mixed to make yeah. it a certain amount where I would have to do yeah. this mandatory time. This is the most recent time you served? Yeah. The last time? Yeah. This, this, uh, this all, again, this all happened in 2012. Well, yeah. Yep. And you yeah. only said five no, years? No, actually, this was years. in the 2011. Eight all together. Yeah, okay. All my time. Uh, yeah, okay, all okay, my time. Okay. So that's why when you, uh, Ask me what, how much time I do. I just told you. Hey, up. Yeah. All the time. Because, again, I was only home for less than a year. Yeah. And I was locked up still mentally when I was out, yeah. brother. Do you now, know what I'm telling you? What kind of money are you making when you when you were flipping? Uh, oh. Ohio, man, I was probably making about, I was probably making about 20000 a week. Damn. Profit. Profit. Yeah, 15, 20K a week profit. Damn. Yeah, and um, that's what got me caught up, man. And that's what get us all caught up, being greedy. Mm-hmm. You know, that money be so good, you know. And um, yeah, it's hard to just wake up and say you quit. Yeah, I bet. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you had a regular job. Man, it's hard to say, yeah, I'm just going to quit. I ain't going to make this 5000 today. Yeah. You know, it's hard to do that. And, um... Yeah, being in that game, man, you kind of just roll it, I guess, until they roll roll the door down. Yeah, you know. And um, like I say, that that run in Ohio costed me five and a half more years in prison. Now this was a private prison. Yeah, and um, this is when I discovered <coughs> about what a private prison was because I never heard, you know, about a private prison. When I was locked up and did my state time in Michigan, I was just in state prison. Yeah. Yeah, so. And on state prison, did they have you doing labor or anything like that? I ain't like. Um, nope. The only uh, labor, you just um, keeping the yard together, that you, the compound, I guess, or whatever they call yeah. it, want to call it. And you said in private prison. That they do have jobs and labor. Okay, yeah, and that's what I discovered, you know, when I went to private prison. Um, private prisons, you know, they have 
uh, I would say they do contracts. Yeah. You know, they they a sub they sub contractors. Yeah. I just learned Starbucks <laughs> is a big one. Yeah, they subcontracted, and um, they uh, yeah, they got free labor, man. You know, that's the um, that's how they run the one I was at. You yeah. know, they um, they offer, you know, they offer a lot also, you know, but they also got a lot of free labor going on. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not gonna even say free because they give you pennies on a dollar. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might be. Making uh, I don't know, thirty six to fifty something cent a day. Yeah, you know, eight hour days. <laughs> yeah, sometimes longer. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, sometimes longer, man. And um, it taught me a lot in there, man, because now at that time, I was older. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. fresh off of that too. And now the judge just gave me five. Yeah, is it falling? Like, yeah, the judge just gave me five, man. And uh, it was kind of a awakening moment. And um, yeah, all right, yeah, that's cool. And uh, it was an awakening moment, you know. At this time, I was uh, in my 30s. I think, uh, like, 33, 30, 31, somewhere around there, between 31, 32 years old. And uh, going through that process, man, you know, being a little more conscious after doing that two years, man, and I was able to do some thinking, while I was out on bond, yeah. you know, before I started the five-and-a-half-year bit. And, um... Okay, so how long was that? When by the time you, like... Well... You, like, you got ready to go to jail, and then how long till you got out of jail to wait to go to prison on bond? Okay, you know, I told you they uh, raided the house December 8th, 2011. Mm. Yeah, 2011. I did, uh... Three months before the judge lowered the bond, the judge had my bond at a half a million dollars. Damn. Yes, and they called me a kingpin, man, and had me in the newspaper, bro. <laughs> they in the newspaper they called you a kingpin. In the newspaper, man. Did I you save that? I should. Yeah, <laughs> I have it, and I should have brought it in <laughs> for you today. <laughs> I love. Hey, I'll post that on hey, the post. Look, so you can see my face, right? I definitely posted on in the post. In the paper, talking about kingpin status. Yeah. You know, down there, man, they just love to make everything big. Yeah, you know, the cops were so excited. Yeah. Got me a kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how that went. But anyway, I did three months before they lowered the bond down to 100000 Okay. And uh, my wife was able to pull together the resources to bond me out. You paid the whole $100,000? Uh, cash surety. Which is we put up property and cash. Okay. So between the property and the cash, yeah. equal that. So I was out fighting the case from 2012. Now I got out February 2012 out of the county. So I was fighting the case for a whole year because I had to turn myself in. 
think it was August 2013. And from August 2013, I was locked up till May 2019. Damn. So you waited like a whole year until you got... Before I went down. Yeah, absolutely. Are you making money in that time? No. Brother, at that (laughs) time, man, again, I was a little older, man. And after doing that two and a half, and now facing facing five, well, I was facing ten, man. These people tried to make me do ten years. Oh, man. Believe it or not, the first offer. And again, remember... I never had a drug case at this moment. Yeah. I only had gun cases. Yeah. I never broke a drug law on paper in my life at this point. Yeah, yeah. These people offered me 10 years for 14 freaking grams yeah. of heroin. That's crazy. How much is 14 grams of that worth on the streets? Well, at a price for me, 14 grams might cost you 700 bucks. Yeah. And then profit, you profit in what? Uh, you go triple it. It all depends. Yeah, is that you? Oh. Triple, yeah. You could triple it or something. You know, it all depends. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, they offered me 10 years for it. That's crazy. So fighting these people, man, was a different fight for me. You know what I mean? So again... Yeah, it woke me up fighting that yeah. one. You know now what I mean? Now My land. life was on the line at this point, being 30-plus yeah. years old, and these people trying to give me 10 years, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for selling drugs for three months. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy charge. I didn't understand it, man. Look at that. I know, right? I wish we could turn the camera around. This is fire. West Side Detroit, baby. Oh, man, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't so, have picked a better day. Now, when... You explained prison to me before this before the podcast. You like say you made it seem like it was a it was all fun and games, and you was just kind of chilling. Okay, now when I was out on bond, man, like I said, fighting this case and knowing that I'm going to prison, I was making life changing decisions at that at those moments. You know, preparing myself yeah. for what was happening. Yeah. So what I told myself and family and friends before I left to turn myself in, that I was changing my life because this is God telling me. Yeah, that it ain't working out for you. All my decisions been some dumb ass shit. Yeah. Keep it slipping. And, and, um, your side of the wood is not that straight. difficulties with the stains. I'm my own engineer here. Got to keep everything Damn. together myself. <laughs> Boom, we got it. We together. Boom. So prior to going in, man, I made some decisions to change my life. Because at that moment, Ohio State was letting me know, Mr. Brown, you need to change your life. Yeah, we on that ass. And believe it or not, man, the day at sentencing... <coughs> 
<laughs> I never forget the judge name, Judge Burge. Man, this guy, and man, actually, not just the judge, but everybody I was talking to at that time, man, it was like they was dropping jewels on me. Yeah. Like I was just hearing all the great advice everybody was giving me at that time. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I talked to friends and family, you know, letting them know I wanted to change my life before I, or this time around. Yeah. Because, again, Lil T was my youngest, and I had had, no, I had had another son during that time also. Um, on my wife, actually. Man, I was... I was going through a lot at that time. A lot of stress, man. Yeah. A lot of fighting. Yeah, a lot of depression. You know, fighting it. Yeah, it was a lot. And um, when I turned myself in, man, I just knew I was going to change my life. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I said to you it was a cakewalk. Because once I got there, I'll never forget that day. Walking on the yard, man. All I was telling myself, I'm here to find peace with myself, physically, mentally, and spiritually. That was my mission. I didn't think about who was on the yard, why they was on the yard, if they knew. Wasn't none of that shit on my mind. So you really just walked in, had no drama, no, no stress, no nothing? None. I... Got there, man, and I jumped straight into spirituality. Yeah. I hooked up with Muslim brothers and, uh, man, <laughs> built a family <coughs> around God, I may say. You know what I mean? <coughs> so that's why I'm able to let you know that it was peaceful because yeah. my crew was a crew of Muslim brothers that prayed five times a day, you know, uh, went to service every Friday, worked out five days a week, cooked every day. What do you mean cooked? Um, you could be cooking your own food in there? Um, you could cook, yeah, yeah. We, uh, microwaves, man. You yeah, know? microwaves in your own, like No, what? not, a, it's just on a dorm, kind of. Oh, okay. You know, kind of like on a dorm, man, you know, out of uh, maybe 200 guys, you get four microwaves. Oh, wow, okay. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, in a commissary in prison, you know, you get the, get your Zoom Zooms and Wham Whams, man. Your yeah. noodles and your chips. Yeah, yeah. You know, your beverages. Yeah. You know, your hostess cupcakes. Yeah. Your honey buns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that become the, uh, that become the value. That, uh, that Yeah, the value in prison, man. Yeah. You know, the more cupcakes and summer dogs and noodles you got, right? The richer you are. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, being with them brothers, though, man, and, um, yeah, we just, uh, we we didn't let the time do us. We did the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, uh, and again, this is private prison, <laughs> man. That's another thing. Um, so let's walk through that. What's the, what's the difference between private prison and county and state prison? The county jail... State oh, prison man. and private, in in your own uh, perspective, from well, how you served it. Let's take county jail, man. Is the worst fucking shit you could possibly be locked up in. It sucks. Yeah, if uh, 
if I had to, if I had to wonder what it felt like to be on the bottom of the fucking slave ship on top of each other, farting and shitting and throwing up and all that, yeah. that's the county. That's county? That's county, man, because they just pile you in there. You in there with everything off the streets, you know, yeah. people in there, uh, drug addicts, you know what I mean, going through they thing, the drug dealers going through they thing, you know, oh man, it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's like the one that everybody goes to, Yeah, at least and, at one point. Yeah, and you locked up in there 24-7. There's no outside or nothing? There's no outside, man. It's bad. It's bad. And, uh, yeah, that have to be the worst. And uh, sitting in the county, man, used to see guys come from prison and have to do court or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they used to be saying, man, I can't wait to go back to prison. Really? And to guys who never been to prison, they like, man, why you begging to go to prison? Right. But once I went to prison and see how laid back prison could be, yeah. and you know, you got a sense of freedom because you could get up out your bed and walk outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. But, uh. And buy stuff. You can't buy nothing in You can buy in right? county, yeah, but you don't get the microwave. You know, you don't get that, uh, that kind of, you know, freedom. So, yeah, that got to be the worst. And when it comes to, uh, state prison, you know, like I told you, uh, state prison, it was, it's rough, but, uh, is what you surround yourself with, man. Yeah. I think it's the same as on the streets, you know, being free. You know, when your parents used to tell <coughs> you, you know, you are who you hang around. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're going to get... Yeah, my grandparents said that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? If, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what it is, man. If you want to be in yeah. there doing the same foolish shit, you could go in there and find it. But you, so now you said you was like popping on the streets because you, you was dope dealing and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So when you went in, you know, it wasn't, people knew you. Now what's it like for somebody that just walks in and then nobody really knows who they are? See, I could tell you that, see, because in Ohio, when I went to prison, guess what? It was like being locked up abroad. Oh, nobody knew you? I knew nobody and nobody knew me. Nobody knew the kingpin? Nobody knew the kingpin, <laughs> but those who was from that little small town. Yeah. And it wasn't many, you know, because, uh, yeah, I was, uh, when I went to prison in this uh, private prison in Ohio, it's on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio, so it's like kind of in that corner, man. And um, I don't know how they pick who come there. Yeah. But the system have a way of picking who come to the prisons. And that's the private one you were talking about? Yeah, the private prison. <clears throat> you know, they got a system in place, man. And um, this is kind of what I was telling you. You know, I didn't, man, looking at this system, as far as with private prisons and the way they ran it, you know, the, as far as the people, as far as the prisoners that they picked to come there, Cause that's part of the system. Just any prisoners can't come, mm -hmm. you know. Only the prisoners that they want in this prison. Yeah. So but, you think the prison like buys them? I never dug that deep, but uh, that's it's a I'm possibility. Trying to, I'm trying to dig that deep. Yeah. This series. <laughs> See, it's a possibility, man. 
Because, again, I told you, like, I don't know why, man, but I was more attracted to their system being locked up, like, than anything, man. I just watched, because I, like, watch how they have made this place yeah. a prisoner, uh, man, hotel, I may say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they cater to the prison, prisoner. Like, I never... I had went to prison at one time for the two and a half years in Michigan. Yeah. And I never seen prisoners get treated so fucking good in prison. Yeah. Okay. So how was that going? I wonder, do you know who owned this one? Well, I don't think none of them are owned by one person. There's like, there's all kind of, some research. And there's got to like be all kind of big ones. There's like the Geo Group. And they manage and lead a lot of prisons. Uh huh. And one I, called Civic. Civic, not Civic Center. Yeah, Civic. Civic uh, that's the that's the one I was in. Yeah, they owned that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's two big ones. Yeah, they're yeah. the biggest private ones. And um, Starbucks yeah. works with them. Fucking a lot of them. A lot. Of, there's there's a couple companies. Yeah, I'm gonna dig this shit up. But they and they <laughs> they treat the prisoner man just good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying they giving you you know outside food once a month. You know yeah. they. Organized, but they're not giving it to you. You no. have the opportunity to buy it. Right? You have the opportunity to buy it if you, um, if you have money, if you have somebody yeah, at home yeah. sending if you money. If you're blessed enough to have someone that love you enough outside, yeah. <laughs> you know that you could have to send you in what you need to uh, attend this affair and get you some McDonald's. <laughs> you could do that, yeah. you know. And they did this once a month, man. You know they did it with ice cream. They did it with. All kind of restaurants. They, uh, man, it was just like, man, man, it's hard to explain how nice you had it in this damn hellhole. And you say you got access to cell phones and shit. Oh, man, yeah, like, <clears throat> when I first got there, right, mm. you ain't going to believe this shit. But when I first got to this prison, man, and uh, my bunkie, right, he t uh, kicking it. And, um, you know, he just letting me know about the lay of the land. You yeah. feel me? You know, how they operating in this space, because this yeah. is what it's all about in prison, your space. So now that I'm entering <coughs> this young dude's space, you know, we chopping it up, getting to know each other, and see if we're going to be able to coexist with each other. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we got to kicking it, and uh, lo and behold, you know, we both was drug dealers. Uh, he was from New York. You know, I was from Detroit, which was another thing we related on. And um, Big we cities. Got, yeah, big cities, uh, caught up in this small-ass place. Yeah. So we kicked it and everything, and um, he let me know what all going on around the prison, man. Yeah. And, you know, he let me know if you want to get high, man, you know, we could get you this. You know, yeah. We could get you that. You want extra drawers and T-shirts, you know, you could just holler at them. You know, he just let, laying it out, yeah, you know. Yeah. Giving me the connected, the food, you know, if you need anything. You know, the stove man right over there, you yeah. know. And, um, man, this one surprised me, right? Because he like, um, if you need to use the phone, you know, you could just let me know. I'm like... I got to let you know if I want to use the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm used to the phone, you know, just walking to the fucking phone and use yeah, the phone, yeah. right? So he like, no, nah, man, I got to, um, 
they call it on the phones. I got a, a, a jack. A yeah. jack? Yeah. He said, I got a jack. I'm like, what the fuck is a jack? So I got a hottie. You <laughs> feel me? Say, <laughs> boom. He uh, dropped the tent. Now, when you drop the tent on your, on your cell, right, you either put a tile over the door so this, can't nobody see in the inside. Yeah. Or if you're sleeping in a pod, you hang the blanket over the bunk bed. So now on the bottom bunk, you can't see in it. They yeah. call that drop the tent. Uh, <laughs> so now our bunk is tenant. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, he dropped the tent, right? So now the area tenant and can't nobody see us because we behind the blanket. Yeah. And he pulled out the cell phone. So, yeah, man, we end up, uh, I end up having access to cell phone, man. Listen, and in private prisons, man, they don't pay the COs shit. Yeah. You feel me? I think the COs was making like $12 an hour, man. Yeah. That's the guards, right? Yeah, the guards. COs, yeah. I don't know. I think they making so like, I think they making like $12 an hour at this time. Yeah. And, man, you could uh, get these. It was easy to convince them, man. Yeah. You know, if you had a little paper, man, you know, we back here in these little country woods, these country people, you know, a city slicker like myself or, you know, any of these city slickers, was, it was easy to convince them. Yeah, you know, yeah, butter yeah. them up with a little money, man. They, man, all kind of things was in this prison, bro. Uh, Man, you know, it done been days I could walk down one of the hourways, man, and see guys with, Man, this is no lie, man. Like ounces of heroin. Ounces of heroin in prison. And they're just selling it to people in there. Yeah, man. They, you know, listen. Prison yeah. is no different than the streets. Yeah. Especially this private shit, man. Yeah, yeah. This private shit is a different game, man. Cause uh, it's private. <laughs> That's it's why it's capitalist. Yeah, <laughs> at its finest, man. And they allowing. At least up there, man, it was wild, man. <coughs> it was wild, man. We got alcohol in there, man. I didn't drink Hennessy in prison, man. Yeah. I didn't. You said when you first got there, the first week that you was drinking oh, man, I had cognac. A, listen, they had me drinking cognac, man. And, um, I guess welcome me, welcome me in. Yeah. Oh, so somebody else was giving you the cognac. You didn't listen, it's my bunkie, in. man. Yeah, my bunkie was plugged when I got there, bro. Damn. Oh man, this dude is. This New York guy was, he had access to everything, man. Just being yeah. a cool guy, man. We hustlers. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I guess whatever surrounding we in, we're going to make sure we got what we like to have. Right, right. You know? And uh, <clears throat> so that's when I say, when I, uh, that's what I meant when I say it was easy time, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, drinking alcohol, you know, you want to have a good, it's your birthday? <clears throat> guess what? We ain't making spud, bro. I'm going to make sure I slide the CEO. 500, and I'm gonna have them to bring us in a fifth of Hennessy VSOP for your birthday. Yeah. And voila. Right? We And we're gonna smoke a joint. Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. You know? And this is what I mean, man. Even, oh man, sex, whatever. Whatever you wanted. You got women in there? COs, man. Listen. Oh, the women COs? These women, right, are no different than the men. And again, if you got access to the money. The women CEOs were fucking for money. Listen, man, you, you wouldn't believe, right? <laughs> Listen, you wouldn't believe how many CEOs. Women prison guards is what we're talking about. You won't believe 
how many women COs I've seen walked off the yard handcuffed due to being caught fucking. Oh, they was like, they did they get arrested for that shit? They just walk you off the yard, fire you. Uh, I never heard of the repercussion after the firing. Yeah, they probably have to prove that he paid for it, but. Yeah. Uh, Wait, yeah. do you think they were doing it because they thought some of these guys were hot? Or Absolutely. You hot and you got money. So you got to <laughs> think, man. You got to think. Women, right? Come on this now, man. crazy. He said women. Women. Think about that, <laughs> Tim. Uh, think Andrew about a, a yard <laughs> full of men on pull-up bars pushing up joggers. Just bad boys all the way around. Timberland boots. Damn. <laughs> you feel me? They just there, just pick it a litter. Yeah. Right? So even even not just the pick it a litter, man, they will accept two, three dollars. Yeah. And knock you off, bro. <laughs> send her send her five hundred to her cash app. And watch what you be getting <laughs> Monday morning in the wreck bathroom closet. Oh Listen, bro. This state prison. I mean, uh, this is private. Private prison. This that is. I is witnessed crazy. this. I'm not. I couldn't make this up, man. <laughs> so when I tell you, oh, I was God. laid back, man. I got this shit in writing, man. If you don't want to <laughs> believe me, I got all my literature, all my days in prison. I had journals. I got a bag full of them. That's and if I let you read them, craziest. right, I'm quite sure. You will come up with three, four Shit. conversations with myself. Man. Watching CO women walked out of this prison. But Man. what really tripped me out, you know, it wasn't that they was doing it, right? What tripped me out is the motherfucking <laughs> dude will tell. That's what? what fucked me up. So they was fucking the, the prison guard and then snitching on the prison guard? Yes. In so many words. Or were they just like, yo, I smashed the prison you guard. You feel me? I smashed the prison guard. And then everybody started talking like, oh. yo, homegirl out here fucking. Yeah, that's Now we happened. all that's in trouble. Happened. Yeah, and now, yeah. That's the part that really was blowing my mind, man. So this was a little uncomfortable. And I'm, I've like been uh, contemplating asking this to every, every one of my guests because you never know what some of them go through. <clears throat> But it's like the rape culture in there for real, like the way that they everybody jokes about it, everybody talks about it, everybody like, you know, when they talk about like don't drop the soap type shit, like uh, is that as that as crazy as everybody Because yeah. really a lot of people think about prison, the first thing they think about is getting raped pretty much. A lot of men. Yeah. That's like that's legit. Um it happened. Yeah. It happens. It happens. It definitely happens and it's real. You know. And again, like I said earlier, right? The thugs changed. Yeah. You feel me? And I'm saying that in this situation to say that I heard it going down one time being taken. One time. Yeah. Right? But I seen 10 times with it just being given. What you mean, like, like it was like people were just down to do it, down to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So that's what it. That's 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 when I but say you, know, you only one time that a guy was like against his will. Yeah, that's yeah. I heard that happening. Yeah, and uh, but I've heard 
just willingly yeah more so now than it being taken yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> the I'm thug change right see now right now man listen man wow man these young guys is different brother <laughs> <laughs> they're not like y'all was back in the man, day man these young guys different man they they willing to do anything for a honey bun Right. Oh shit! You feel me? They were <laughs> the they they to give the man. honey bun for the honey man, bun. Man, for the honey bun now, man. That's crazy. <laughs> Your honey bun only works for honey bun. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, man. But uh, I learned a lot being there, man. And it's it's crazy to say uh, when I think back on it now, sitting here with you today, tell um, that time was needed for me, man, and I enjoyed it. And it taught me a lot, and I learned a lot, and it made me change my life, man. So, you know, um, after that, after that five-and-a-half-year stint, man, you know, um, well. Yeah, that's, that's important to talk about. Let's talk about uh, adapting, coming out. Yeah, you know? dealing, dealing with that time, man. Like I say, I sat there that whole time, till and um, spiritually, physically, and mentally, man, is all I worked on. Yeah. You know, I worked on, you know, read a lot of business. Yeah. You know, read um, a lot of spirituality, you know, and I did a lot of working out, man. And um, it changed me. It changed me. It definitely changed me, you know, knowledge, having knowledge. I, I gave myself time to read and learn some things. Because they say if you know better now, you will do better. So, yeah, that's what I did during that five and a half years, man. So when I came home, I was a different man. I knew a thing or two about business. You know, being a drug dealer, you know, I already considered myself as a businessman, entrepreneur, but I just had uh, the wrong product. So once I discovered, you know, that... uh. All I had to do was change the product, but remain the same as far as being a hustler. It changed my life. And, um, well, transitioning. Uh, transitioning now is different levels. Because, see, I had a good support system. So I had, you know, wife, kids, come home to family. So the transition from the cage, man, to being free, it was, uh, it was pretty easy. My anxiety kind of messed with me during uh, being in large crowds, you know, at first. And uh, but other than that, man, it was kind of a easy. It was easy adapting. Cause now a lot of people talk about how traumatizing it is for people to get out of prison and come back into society and try to get a job and try to be normal again. And did you not experience that, or you think nah. that you had a you always said you had a better support system? And now, and, and, and I'm fortunate enough to have the right kind of support system when it comes to family, cause that's what's needed. Yeah. You feel me? Now, I do have friends, and I know of guys who had to come home who didn't have that. Yeah. See, now, that's where the problem at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, because a man coming from that kind of situation, transitioning from being caged 
back to society, for one, yeah, 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 you need that support. Yeah. So that's why it's so easy for an individual who don't have nothing to come home to, no structure, nothing that's structured. Yeah. It's easy to go right back because yeah. now their only sense of purpose is in prison. Absolutely. To them, not not to, At, me, to right to, to them. them. Yeah, and yeah. see, that's how they start to think. I'm only somebody in prison. Yeah, you yeah. did what I'm saying. Prison. I'm clean clothes, three meals a day. I don't have to worry about eating. People respect me. People know me. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's where the problem lies at, man. That's that's what make the transition hard, not having that support. Yeah. You know, so halfway houses is a must, I feel, for a man. What is, uh, I used to live across the street from one of those, like my, I had this, uh, I guess it was a luxury apartment in downtown, but. They, it was right across the street from the the halfway house. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's when you're getting out of prison. Yeah, it's and a, they're like helping you get back uh, yeah. into this, to the society. It's exactly what it is said. It's yeah. a halfway house. Halfway back to the society. I'm halfway home. Oh, okay. I thought it was like halfway in the head. Like I wasn't sure. No, what it, what it I'm halfway home, man. So it's a stop where I feel all prisoners should go. That especially those who don't have a support system, because now in this facility, you have a counselor. Mm. You got more private space. You got better food. You got the freedom to go outside, get on the bus, you know, go to Walmart, get a job. You had this freedom, but now you got to just be. Is it optional to be in the halfway house? Is it? Sometimes it's optional. Sometimes it's forced on you, and sometimes it's just not available. Uh. So, as far as transitioning, halfway houses is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Halfway houses is very important. I feel because it gives that person that transitioning period that's needed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I could ride in the car. You feel me? Yeah. Without being distracted by family and friends. I'm in here with a supervisor. So it's giving me a chance to adapt before I get back into my normal. Yeah. And so be around like-minded people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even in a perfect world, you come home and you got enough money to buy an apartment. Absolutely. you You still... Dead ass alone, dead ass got to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. We got new technology, and you also out. tested there because as a criminal, you have the freedom to walk out that gate. Yeah. So now, you've been put in a situation. Now you got a choice, because that was something that like blew my mind, man. When I got out and when I was in a halfway house, I think, uh, damn, they let us out. They took us shopping somewhere, bro. And um Oh, so you were in the halfway house. Yeah, I went to the halfway house too. Okay. And um I think it was okay. Uh man, I was standing in front of something. I don't know if we went to Walmart or a gas station. I don't know if it was juices or something, but I couldn't not make a fucking choice on what I wanted. Cause at that point I was so detached from being able to make a choice 
being locked up. You feel yeah. me? You just everything is laid out for you. You don't ain't no choice. You know, Mr. Brown, you need to be here at this time. If your ass not, you out yeah. of place. You get a ticket. You know, this, yeah. that, another, right? So you don't have a choice. I mean, you got a choice. Now you can make it hard, yeah, or you yeah. can keep it easy. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, you don't have a choice. But anyway, when I came home, man, it was in the halfway house, though. And I just couldn't make a choice on what I wanted to drink or nothing, man. Yeah. And, um. Hey, Lil D, can it, you do me a favor and plug my phone back into the charger, the cord? So I just feel the halfway house is needed, man, because it's definitely give you time. Yeah. To transition into being a civilized individual. Because in uh, prison, man, you just got to have that roughness. You know, you be you be in a different zone. You know what I mean? So it give you a little time to relax. Let the guard down a does, little bit. Does that light turn on? Well, you don't want that light on because your garden might get inter- interrupted. Oh, yeah, don't do that. And if you interrupt your garden, yeah, you yeah. know, your plant's not going to be happy and your yeah, tomatoes yeah, yeah. not going to be tomatoes, <laughs> yeah. You know, you do got some nice tomatoes. Big ones over here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, transitioning is needed, tell for a prisoner, and um, that's right. <laughs> I think hey, I think little little deal needs you. Real quick. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Why you bothering me? <laughs> Are you? All right. So yeah, transition. Mm-hmm. So you, said, you had this oh, so the halfway house. That's the that's yeah. necessary for everyone. Yeah, I feel I feel it's needed for everyone that's transitioning. Yeah. From prison back to society. Yeah. So um yeah. Cause and it give you that chance, man, to tap into all of those conversations you was telling yourself in prison. You know, like I'm a work, you know, I'm gonna be a good boy this time, Lord. You let me out this time. Yeah. I'm a be good so, to my wife. I'm gonna be a doing? father. What were you doing from the halfway house or in in, in like <coughs> well, your day to day? I had got a job because it's mandatory to get a job while you there. Okay, I had a job working in a factory in Toledo, Ohio. Damn, where yeah. was your halfway house? In Toledo. Oh, okay. You got to remember, I was uh, in, I did my time in Ohio. Uh, so Lake Erie, Ohio, as I said. That's yeah, why I keep getting confused. Yeah, yeah, Lake Erie, Ohio. Yeah, and um. I had to stay in a halfway house in that state. So they they sent me as close as they could to Detroit. Okay. Which landed me in Toledo, Ohio. A spot called Ohio Link. But uh it was mandatory to get a job, so I got a job, man. You know, and I did what they asked of me, you know. And um that got me visits with my wife now, you know what I'm saying? So we was able to start rekindling. Because believe it or not, man, um, I only had my wife come up to Lake Erie, man, like two or three times that whole time I was locked up because I was so disappointed with myself that I only wanted to be with myself. Oh, you didn't want her to? I didn't want, I felt I was (laughs) such an asshole, right? Two or three times out of five years? Yeah. So there was whole... Year or so that y'all didn't see Man, my last two, I want to say my last two and a half years, I didn't see my wife. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't want her, see, because especially in the winter, 
right? It was so bad up there, man. It was a winter belt right there in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And the winters was bad. And, um, you know, I just didn't want to take that chance of having my family on the freeway, man, and uh, something happened. <laughs> that was one of my biggest fears in prison, man. Something happening to my family. On the way to visit you? Yeah, or just something happening and I can't be there. You know what I mean, man? And, um, yeah, that was my greatest fear in prison. Something happening to a family member. You know, um, things happened to close friends, you know, while I was in prison. But, you know, I pray, I was able to be strong enough to pray about it and make it through. But, I, man, I didn't want nothing to happen to a family member. I don't know how I would took that. So uh, <clears throat> I didn't want her coming to see me. And, plus, I wanted to punish myself. I was upset that I was locked up. After yeah. just getting out of prison. Yeah. But um like I just learned my lesson. Yeah. And I did not learn my lesson. Miss my wife was so disappointed. Everybody was disappointed in me, man. Oh yeah, your father and shit. Everybody. You want some more of this? Uh yeah, I'll take some more. Everybody, man, was disappointed in me. And I was disappointed in myself. So like I say, I spent that time rectifying myself, man. And um, I enjoyed it, you know. I enjoyed that fucking time, man. You just know it was the best thing. It was the, looking it was the back. Best thing that ever happened to you. Looking back in my life, the worst I, best thing that ever happened. Yeah, it was the worst best thing that could have happened for me. Cause it gave me a ample amount of time, man, to reflect on my whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gave me ample amount of time, man. Because one thing I used to always struggle with, man, is like what was my purpose, my mission? I didn't know. You know what I mean? Selling yeah. dope since I was 14, strip clubs, fast cars, clothes, hoes. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew it had to be something more. Yeah, you yeah. feel me? So that was one of the questions that I was trying to find, man, being locked up, looking for that peace, man. Like what's my purpose? Like, I know it's something bigger than lying and conniving and selling yeah. drugs. It got to be something bigger. You feel me? The Lord could, the universe, whatever you want to call it, had to put me here for something greater yeah. than what I was doing. How you feeling about that now? I figured that purpose out figured when out. I was there. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and your purpose... I, my perspective for me is that your purpose as a male, be the best father, son, uncle, neighbor, brother, brother, all of that that you could possibly be. Mentor. You know? Yeah, yeah. And everything else will happen easy. So when I came home from prison, did my halfway time, you know, me and Miss D started rekindling our relationship. And um, I let her know that I was going to be the best that I could be. Yeah. The best male that I could be. Yeah, yeah. You know, I told my parents I was going to be the best son I could be. I told my kids I was going to be the best father and so on and so on. Yeah. And that's the only duty I've been doing since I've been home. Yeah. Being that best male I could be. Because I feel that's what 
the Lord put us here to do. You know, uh, that's our job as human being. Be that best person you could be. Yeah. When did, uh, first of all, rest in peace, but when did your, uh, when did you get out and when did your dad pass? Uh, I got out May 2019. My pops um, passed October 2021. Okay. Yeah, my pops passed. And my best friend, man, passed. He got killed July. July 2020, I want to say, man. Yeah. So, you know, being home, man, you know, being conscious now and going through the things that I go through, you know, as far as my best friend dying, my father dying, Uh, it's just making me more, I guess, of a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know you what I'm saying? Oh, man. Appreciating my time and just continuing to just be the best male. Because yeah. now his son need me. You know, his mother need me. Yeah. My father gone. My mother need me. Yeah. My brothers and sisters need me. My nieces and nephews need me. So, again, it's just put me on a different level of being a better man. Yeah, I think, either. yeah, I don't think I could have said that better. Yeah, you're the leader now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, um, yeah, and uh, I'm honoring that position, man, and I'm just going to continue on being the best male I could be. Yeah. You feel me? And we should note that since you've gotten out, you started a couple of businesses. Yes, I and, did, man, uh, and, you know, I took that knowledge. Yeah. Again, sitting in there, man, I did a lot of reading, uh, business. Again, always been an entrepreneur. I always say I just had the wrong product. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I sharpened up some business skills. And since I've been home, um, I've started, uh, well, actually me and a partner of mine started a smoothie cafe mm -hmm. that we own in southwest Detroit on Michigan Avenue. And we're in the process of opening up a second location um, on Grand River, you know. And, um, you know, that's where I'm partnering up with Mattel and the Gallery Club. And we're going to put down a nice art platform there for the artists could be the best that they could be. Holding down local art, Detroit artists? Michigan Absolutely. Artists. Holding it down. But, yes, yeah. sir. So uh, I've just been using the things that I went to prison, man. Taught myself, you know, and um, things that I was enlightened with, and I'm using them to, again, be the best male I could be, man. And I feel with me opening businesses, I could um, employ, you know, those from the community less fortunate or those who might be in the position I once was in. And educate. And you educate. We want to help people start their own businesses. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and um, that's my mission now, man. That's what I. That's that's part of the mission I'm on, man. I want to enlighten young brothers on being entrepreneurs, being well educated about who they are, yeah. the powers they possess. Yeah. Should we introduce Miss D? Absolutely, Miss D, come here. <laughs> 
put it up. Face the mic towards the middle so they can hear both. Don't worry, it's dark, this, so... This is just my wife, Miss D. She had been being nosy, want to know what's going on. We're going to have you on the, on the podcast one of these days. Yeah, one of these days. For these, for <laughs> say hi. Hi, my name is Miss D. Yeah. I'm from... The Michigan Squeeze Station. <laughs> Everybody know me as Miss D. That was funny. But yeah, Absolutely. one day I would like to talk to you because I'm doing a prison ser- a series like on prison and what it's like to be in prison and the people that affects in prison. Okay. And for someone being married to a man that was in prison, I would like to hear your journey. Oh, it was kind of hard, real hard. I bet single mother, or not single mother, but you know, being single, being a single, being mother, being a know. single mother. When he was locked up doing his bit six and a half years. Something like that. Something like that, plus more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we will discuss that for sure one of these days whenever you're ready. And the ownership of the squeeze station, of course. The Michigan squeeze station. <laughs> lit, 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 lit. Love you, Miss D. Oh, I'm coming to the house. Okay. All right. We'll be wrapping it up shortly. Listen, he took me down a long road and I almost got lost, but I found my way back. <laughs> All right, we got to finish our podcast. Oh, bring the mic back. Bring the mic back. Let me bring the mic back, man. <laughs> and um, I just won't say this, man. Being home and just being the best male. The best man that I could be, man. Life just been easy. You know, uh, the universe just been blessing me with so much that I didn't know I was going to attain. Yeah. All the things, all the paths I'm on now, I didn't pick them. Yeah. But should we should we call them easy, though? Because you are, you are overcoming a lot of obstacles, starting these businesses and everything. I see... The gray hairs going on your bald head, you know? <laughs> like, right, you right. Know, like, you know, you know, I don't want you to make it seem like it's such a cake well, bug, you know, because you are, uh, you're putting in the work and putting in the grind. You know, like you said, you, when you got back, you just, I want people to know that, you know, you started uh, your construction businesses with hanging drywall like crazy. Oh, man. Yeah. Bunch of hours a week, you know, like. Absolutely. Uh, I want you to share up on the type of motivation and the drive you had to have, you know, I don't want oh, man. people to think that you just had all this privilege when you got out and you didn't put no work in, you know? No, that definitely wasn't the case, man. Yeah. You know, I know, you, I know you're blessed. Yeah. But you should also right. share the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, share the hard, don't be too man. humble. Listen, you know? man, um, it definitely was a grind, brother. Sweat, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, Do you hear yeah. me? Yeah. I done did a lot of bleeding. I done did a lot of crying, yeah. and I done did a lot of sweating to get to where I'm at. Yeah. You know, when I say I was blessed, man, I just was blessed. When I say blessed, I say that from the perspective of having mother, father, sister, and brother that cared for me. Yeah. So, and being, and waking up every day. Yeah. After that, brother, I put in a lot of sweat and tears to get yeah. where I'm at. And, um... You know, when I came home, the uh, construction side of this um, building was started. And, uh, man, I was hanging two, three hundred sheets of drywall a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me and one other guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, that's man, your own business. You started. That's up. my own business. I started up. Absolutely, yeah. it was called uh, Grand Royal Grand Royal Property Management, man. And um, I still have it. You know, it's been just laying a little idle at the moment. <clears throat> because, you know, people don't want to work these days. Yeah, and pandemic, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the housing market is high, so I guess. Absolutely. I guess you're just not and, pushing. Uh, <laughs> well, due to the pandemic <laughs> is how we came up with the squeeze station. So yeah, thanks to the pandemic, you know, you got the Michigan squeeze station now. Because maybe without the pandemic, it might have wouldn't been a squeeze station. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, man, it's definitely been a hell of a grind, man, building this as a black man. Especially a black man with felons. You dig what I'm saying yeah. at a time like this? <clears throat> and um, have nothing been easy at all. You know, I done went through, oh man, I go through a tremendous load of issues and stresses yeah. every day. You know, it's just, again, being spiritual now, man. Yeah. Being spiritual. And I also figured out the shortcut in life. You know, I don't know if I should drop this jewel. <laughs> I don't you know if I should mic, drop this jewel right hey, now or not, nah. man. But nah, you know, we go through life always trying to figure out the easy way, you know? Mm-hmm. And I knew that was part of my life, always trying to find a quick dollar, the easy dollar on yeah, it, yeah. right? But now, looking through the lens is now, man, having individuals around you with the same mission and goals, fighting, sweating, and crying and shit together, yeah. is making it real easy. Yeah. So this is somewhat what I mean when it's, that's the shortcut. Having individuals around you to help you get to the greater goal. You know, having one mission. Surround yourself with the right people. Man, and life get Not easy. Not the right people, the people you want to be you want to grow with. Yes, yes, sir. And those who want to grow with you. And yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. Listen, don't for those who don't know, right, that's the key. That's your shortcut. Yeah. Surround yourself with the people that want to be around you and you have the same common goal. So now I don't wake up and just deal with that problem by myself. It's yeah. five other people I put that problem on. And we deal with it together. Yeah, yeah. And everything become easy. But the hardest part, I could say, was putting putting that team together. That's yeah. the hard part. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Life's all about who you know. Yep. So Shake the, some hands. Yeah. Yep. In prison that. also taught me that. Because I had to put together the right circle to stay out of trouble. To keep the right focus. Protection. I, but all of that. Yeah. I had to pick the right people. Yeah. And, um... That's what I've been doing since I've been home, man. You know, um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't deal with individuals no more because you got a nice car. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? You got, you know, you got these quick money schemes. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm trying to find those who taking care of their family. You know, who want to build a business, who got a lord and know that it's something greater than themselves. You know, these are the people who I'm trying to surround myself with. Yeah, you know what I mean? The people who enjoying just being a human being. Yeah. You know, and trying to do something greater. Yeah, do something greater than, you know, what they just stand for. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying to build a legacy for their kids. Yeah. You know, for the community. You know what I mean? I'm going to get bigger and just say for the world, man. For the world. Yeah, we're going to do this one for the world. Change the world by example. That's what I always say. Absolutely. Uh, any uh, closing statements you want to say or announce to anybody that is going into prison or getting out of prison or, uh, you know, being d- reckless and doing those schemes, scams, dope dealing, whatever, anything? Any messages you want to send out to the world before we close out? Slow down. Take time and find yourself and know that it's something greater than yourself that you're here for. Peace, and I'm out. Peace. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, everybody that listens. Peace and love.